0: All I want to do is graduate from high school, go to Europe, marry Christian Slater and die.
1: Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best loved in the past. I'm Tristan.
2: And I'm Greg. Week two of (laughs) Vamperton.
1: Vamperton. Yeah, it sure is. Oh, you're making you're making funny faces over there, Greg. You okay? I'm oh, scratching my arm. I've got like,
2: I got I get some allergies, and for some reason, occasionally they manifest in an in intense itchiness in one really particular spot. Basically, just on my top of my forearm, where the elbow there.
1: Is it always the same spot?
2: It, yeah, and like laser ah. targeted. It's really weird, very uncomfortable. Hence my face pulling faces and scratching it. It uh, makes me want to like <laughs> chop my arm off. Oh, so don't do that. And drink the blood.
1: <laughs> brought it back. Nice. I brought it back. Greg is alluding to the fact that this is our second episode in a new miniseries <laughs> uh, called Bloodsuckers. I want something.
0: I know where the bastard sleeps. In
3: what language are you speaking?
2: Ah yes, blood suckers.
1: Yeah, all about vampires. Not about
2: mosquitoes.
1: <laughs> I can you imagine that? A mosquito. The Mosquito Coast is that a movie? It's probably not about mosquitoes. Oh,
2: why has there not been more mosquito movies? Like, yeah, like, like a good B movie about
1: giant mosquitoes. Yeah. There's some in uh, Jumanji.
2: Oh, of course. Where's the spin-off?
1: Yeah, and the the latest Jurassic Park movie had locusts. Oh, what's that a like? Oh, mosquitoes would have made it full circle. They should have done mosquitoes because yeah. the mosquitoes is how they made the dinosaurs. Yeah. Oh, my God. Story by Oh, story bye. I've fucking done it again. Hollywood what's over there? here. Wait, I'm pressing all the wrong buttons. Here we go. It's very stupid. It's very stupid on my part if I, if I do say so myself.
2: Well, hang on, hang on. You can't, how are you taking credit for the mosquito thing? <laughs> it's, it's my bit.
1: Yeah, apologies, Greg. That's a co story by co story by. Yeah, buy, yeah bro. You brought up mosquitoes and I yes ended, but you can't end without the yes. Correct. Yeah. Keep going. Oh, what are we doing this week? Oh, we're back in 1992, Greg's favorite year. Ah,
2: we're doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
1: Next miniseries might be movies that didn't come out in 1992. <laughs> <sighs> Greg can pretty much release a documentary about a year at this point with all the member berries he's covered.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe will double dipping in, in the old spot.
1: <laughs> no one picked up Truth on it yet.
2: <laughs> Carol. Carol oh, did picked you? up on it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, she's listening. Yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah. She's OG. Yeah. What do you got for us this week, Greg?
2: Um, we're going to gaming. Nice. Yeah, um, can you guess? There's a game released in this year. Can you guess what it is, Tristan? 1992. Welcome to Mario Kart.
3: That's
2: right. You guessed it. The origin of the Mario Kart franchise. Mm. It's, a, it's a it's a, franchise within a franchise.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the first of its kind in that way, I suppose, right? Mm. Taking these characters and putting them in a different scenario.
2: Kind of very marvelesque. Maybe on or maybe not. <laughs> Super Mario Kart, if you've been living under a rock that <laughs> didn't have a Nintendo in it. If you're living under a rock, you probably have Nintendo down there. What else are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh not much.
1: Buy a Nintendo, move under a rock, it's a pretty sweet life. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Although this was a multiplayer game, which is an important part of its success.
1: Man, it really is.
2: Yeah. So I'm gonna give you a little a little bit of a blurb on this. The background of this game, one of the biggest selling games of all time. Over 164 million copies of the series have sold worldwide, which is staggering. Oof. So brief recap of the timeline. 1988, Mega Drive drops. Right. Gets a lot of traction. There was another non-Nintendo console, I forget what it was, dropped around the same time.
1: They're writing that Expo eighty eight uh inspiration wave that probably swept over the world. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So eighty eight couple of um, new systems drop, 1990, Super Nintendo drops that are a little bit behind the pace ah. with, well, you know, two years a lot of traction can be gained in That's the gaming space. Right? Mm. So they launched, they launched two new games at the time, Super Mario World, which is I think the one where you could get on Yoshi's back. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That was a, That was good. That was big. And F-Zero. Now, F-Zero... Oh. So if you're thinking of the two releases, Mario World was the, um, I guess, the, the legacy game, that, you know, had the popularity and um, fan base. And mm. then F-Zero was, I guess, the, we'll check out our new graphics. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So that was like the, whoa. And if you go on and have a look for footage of this game, it's pretty funny that this was a cutting edge game. But
1: Man, is. I played it recently. Because you can oh, you uh, on Switch, you can get the old. You can just buy this thing that gives you all the old Super Nintendo games. Well, not all of them, but yeah. the big ones. Yeah. And I would never played F Zero, and I always heard about it, and I played it, and yeah, like, nah, didn't age Pretty well. Average. Whereas Mario World, hundred percent holds up.
2: Yeah. Because it yeah. works within the limits.
1: It's fucking sick. It's really hard too. Games used to be so hard. Yeah. Like unforgiving. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Um. Mode 7 was the graphic card sort of uh, release that enabled the, the gameplay of F7 so you could right. scale and rotate backgrounds. It was kind of like a the speed. 3D, 3D type thing. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah. Um,
2: I'm moving my hands around like a, to form a 3D shape. <laughs> um, so that was really cool apparently. People were mind blown but… It was a single player game and Lord Miyamoto. Oh, of course. Uh, he knew this was no good, which is kind of interesting when you think of where Nintendo is today and it's very much about shared gameplay and such. Yeah. Even back then he was like, no, we need to multiplayer this shit.
1: Interesting.
2: So Ipso Facto they You know went through some steps and they got to Super Mario Kart, which was really one of the first proper multiplayer. Yeah. Um, games, and it's, you know, now quite widely played as a four-player. Yeah. Um, originally, you could just be the eight characters from, from Mario, so Mario, Luigi, Princess, Yoshi, mm. Bowser, Donkey Kong, Junior, and a couple of others. But, and oh, this is cool. Back then, it, you could, you know how now you can get, you get the boxes of mystery boxes and you get bananas and stars yeah. and the like. Back then, you just got the... Uh, superpower special to your character. So the only one, the only one with bananas was Donkey Kong. Ah. Um, Yoshi dropped eggs. This sort of stuff, which is kind of cool. I, I like that. You sort of had tailored. That would be cool. They should do something
1: a- like that. Whether you still get one item that is unique to you or something. Yeah, cool.
2: something, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just picking for the look. The look, It's all surface.
1: There's there's uh, acceleration versus top end speed, Greg. It's very important. Ah. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. and like Bowser can make a little fella spin out. I think when you bash yeah. into it. Yeah. So there's still
2: a bit of that going on. It's a bit
1: of it. Subtle, subtle. It's nuanced. Keep going. No,
2: um, you're a Luigi man these days. Is that
1: that right from memory? Yeah, I am. I used to be Yoshi man. Yeah. I mean, uh, my my Mario Kart experience peaked with the '64. I think I was just at the mm-hmm. right age, and you'd lose mm-hmm. days with you with your mates just playing <laughs> that thing, and it would get real tense for a while too. Like, are we going to be friends <laughs> at the end of this? Yeah. And I was a Yoshiman back then. I, I'm pretty sure 70% of people were Yoshiman. I made that set up, but just based on my mm. own experience. But mm. you know what? I just got a real soft spot for Luigi because he's so weird. <laughs> Mamma mia. I think like Yoshi, uh, Luigi has evolved. Uh, you know, it's a bit like uh, Mario is like Beyonce, the star. And, you know, the big mainstream blockbustery star, and then Luigi's like like Solange, and it t- it took a while for Solange to find no, her thing. Solange, I
2: think you say Kelly Rowland.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or oh, Michelle.
2: Michelle, she couldn't handle this.
1: <laughs> no, she's like Baby Luigi. But I love how Luigi seems to just be like accepted as the weirdo of the bunch now. I mean, there's no narrative. I don't know how I'm picking this up, but it, maybe it's just memes or something. But even the fact that Charlie Day is playing Luigi in the movie. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. I, was about, I was just like he's a I was weirdo. He's weird. You
2: who's playing him? He's very weird. The best yeah. kind of weird.
1: Well, who are you? Are you a Donkey Kong or something? I I I am agnostic. Ah, oh, okay.
2: I've been using a bit of Donkey Kong lately. Yeah, I like a bit of Mario and Luigi. Oh, there's a lot of weird ones in these. My my son uses shy guy. Yeah, I, I don't know, don't know who that know. Is. Who is. I kind of guy. Yeah,
1: who knows? And it's a good point too, Greg. Little Bruce is still playing his version of Mario Kart. That's the, right. The legacy continues. The legacy
2: continues. So it's still going, 164 mil and counting. Damn. Big year for video games.
1: Big year for movies too, Greg. And, you know, last week, I mean, we keep joking about how, for whatever reason, I guess it kind of makes sense based on the ages we were in 1992, but we've done a lot of movies from 1992. A lot. And last time I kind of suggested that we've done all of them almost, but we haven't. We've done a lot of the top ten, but this time I thought I would I would just recap some of the other movies that came out that you you know we often gloss over because they weren't quite top ten material. Mm-hmm. This list, I guess, you could otherwise call movies we won't be doing for some time uh, because <laughs> we, we need to leave 1992 alone. But um, scent of a woman, my cousin Vinny, Juice, Last ah. of the Mohicans. Beethoven, Ooh. Death Becomes Her, The Mighty Ducks, School Ties, Ooh. Reservoir Dogs, Ooh. El Mariachi, Batman Returns, Candyman, Army of Darkness, Strictly Ballroom. There's many.
2: All films we want to cover here.
1: Yeah, but maybe not for a while. <laughs> yeah,
2: just to just to rest my weary memberberry head.
1: Yeah, yeah. But there was one film, Greg. Oh yeah. Came in number seventy nine that year.
2: Number seventy nine.
1: I guess you could call it a uh, uh, quite the quite the high stakes. Drama. Is that yours? No, nah, I got it from the making of that <laughs> I just watched. <laughs>
2: I'm glad it's not yours. No, it yeah, so. exactly. Uh,
1: Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, came out in July of 1992. Budget of $7 million, mm. gross box office of $16.6 million. Rotten Tomatoes scores as follows. Critic score 36%. Audience score 43%. Uh, critic consensus. Buffy the Vampire Slayer's supernatural coming of age tale is let down by poor directing and even poorer plotting. Mm. Though Christy Swanson and Paul Rubens's Rubens? Rubens's Paul Rubens <laughs> game performances still manage to slay or slays up there with stakes, high stakes. A high stakes teen drama that really slays. <laughs> Put all those things together. Damn. There you go. Man, was this a big movie for you? Greg? Who needs AI? Yeah, who needs AI? <laughs> um
2: Was it a big movie? It was relatively big. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I, as you know, I've got an older sister. Um, yeah, me too. Three years older. Three years older. So that. Mine's four years old. This older. was. Yeah. So she, she, well, there you go. They're probably a similar age. Yeah. Um, but I just did that maths on my on my own in my head, by the way. Man,
1: who needs AI? Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, she brought this into the house, I assume. Invited yeah. it into the house.
1: Oh, you have to invite it in. Otherwise That's it's a just vampire. a VHS sitting on the doormat outside.
2: Correct. Mm. That's a vampire trope as mm. well. Tofty. we're on fire today yeah so i watched a few times back then i remember thinking they were so cool
1: yeah yeah
2: her kicks i was like whoa she could probably beat like bruce lee in a fight
1: (laughs) she it it was cool i was the same i felt like it was not that i would have used this word then but like subversive it felt like oh this is like a cool take it was
2: cool it was cool so edgy, edgy. It felt edgy. Oh yeah, and what about her dancing? Yeah, dun, 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 dun. what song were they playing? I can't remember. Reminds me of the. It reminds me of the Napoleon Dynamite cheerleaders. <laughs> it's like terrible. Like, yeah, that's
1: so sexy. Yeah, Whoa. there's some weird that's shit in there like that, right? It's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll get into all that. Um, yeah, and I guess that's what we're here for. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, poison the well too too soon. Not to, not to foreshadow <laughs> where I'm going. But uh, <laughs> I I was very excited to watch this movie, Greg, because I had yeah. very fond memories. And I guess uh-huh. it was just interesting because obviously everyone's familiar with the TV show. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to go back to the OG and maybe it's like better in some ways? Yada yada yada.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Well you you were you were big into the T V show though, right? I think we talked about that last yeah, week, briefly.
2: Yeah, I watched I watched most of it, man. Yeah. Um yeah, Carol's a massive buffy fan.
1: Do you reckon it's worth I've only dabbled. Do you reckon it's worth just watching from the beginning?
2: Uh yeah, you could. Yeah, interesting. Why not? You can do whatever you want. That's true. That's true.
1: <laughs> but would you recommend it? <laughs> uh I mean it depends on like I won't. Yeah,
2: because there will be other things to do with
1: time. That's true. Time is uh, is finite uh, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, for now, <laughs> for now, now. <laughs> get them damn crystals working. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got to charge it up. Put it in the moon. Yeah. Near the moon. The moon. It in the moon. moon. <laughs> is that how it works? In.
2: Got to get it in the moon. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. Wrong.
1: Yeah. God damn it! Uh, uh, I had a cat named Buffy. Did you? Yeah, and I don't really remember why. I chose the name and I think it was just like, and I, I I, thought Sarah Michelle Gellar was hot. The, and this was after the movie. This was like, I don't know, late 90s. But yeah, so the name Buffy also reminds me of my old cat. That's cute. <laughs> I say my cat, but it was just a cat that was kind of around. Well, I was more <laughs> personally linked to the dog. The cat was just
2: there. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was your cat?
1: It was my mum's cat. Well, I mean, it was our cat, yeah, yeah. but like, yeah. you know. I wasn't that interested in the cat. The neighbourhood cat? Uh, no, yeah, we, did, oh. we did have a neighbourhood cat. We had a neighbourhood cat and a neighbourhood dog. So our first dog. Oh.
2: Did they cruise around together like Milo and Otis?
1: No, I guess they just, the word on the wire went I out know. that these people were feeding strays. But like we had, I used to live next door to my primary school mm-hmm. and this stray dog kept visiting and we kept feeding it and eventually, well, she kept staying and then we just kept her and we named her Spot even though she was a lassie. What are they called? One of them. <laughs> I called, I named that one too. I guess because I liked there the little are. kids book spot. I was a small child then. But also we had a stray cat. We had a stray cat too. Like at, at the same time, this cat kept visiting and we kept feeding it. We named that cat Astro, but it was feral as fuck. Like it kind of just lived in the bushes out the front. And in, as a kid would go in there playing predator or whatever, and you just find bones. Like it would catch possums and birds and things. So it was Humans? like something out of Pet Cemetery. Yeah, probably humans. It mm. was it was wild, time, Gage? man. Wild, yeah. Gage was there with his little designer scar. And ah. <laughs> anyway, I digress. We're not here to talk about that stuff. We're here to talk about Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. Mm. Why don't I get mm. into uh, where that whole thing came from?
2: Yeah, with this guy named Joss, not Josh.
0: <laughs> Origin story.
2: Yeah, I guess it's short for Joshlam. Josh, Josh, Joshua. Joshua.
1: <laughs> no wonder he's so angry. Well, I remember, Greg, this is funny because I've Mandela affected myself here. Does it work in a singular or does it have to be a cultural It sure thing? can. Okay, well, I, Mandela affected myself. I think I said to you earlier in the week, yeah, I'm pretty sure some lady wrote this and... Um, and her vision didn't quite come to life, but then Joss Whedon made the TV show that was more in line with her original vision. And I mishma- i basically mishmashed yeah. all the all the elements in my head because that's not what really... I thought
2: that was. I thought that was it too. Yeah, but I can't remember if it was because you told me that or <laughs> I already thought it.
1: I was wondering if it's because I thought maybe Joss Whedon was a woman's name, and so I just thought yeah, that Jocelyn. was the woman, Jocelyn. Jocelyn, but it's Joshua as a out. Hey,
2: Joshua. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> so he wrote this It wasn't a woman Yeah But the director was a woman uh, But we'll, we'll get into that Let me start at the beginning Let me start at the beginning
2: Take it from the top
1: This was written by Joss Whedon Who This was his first film script Or at least the first one that got made I suppose He, uh, he cut his teeth in uh, television sitcom writing From Roseanne mm. to Parenthood
2: Yeah Which was uh, He was the third generation of writers in his family Oh
1: Really that's cool.
2: Yeah, his dad wrote for the Golden Girls amongst others and his grandfather wrote, I don't know, shows that were older than that.
1: <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore or something, I don't know.
2: Something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's go with that.
1: He he wrote the script for when they used to just read out the alphabet on television back in oh. the day. Hey! A, they would say. <laughs>
2: Man, my dad has fully turned into Abe Simpson. Really? Like I was at <laughs> – got to tell this story very quickly – We had um, my niece's birthday yesterday, so we just had a small family um, dinner at my brother's house. Yeah. And my dad told me a 20-minute story about his trip to the DMV. (laughs) Or RTA, or have we call it. I was going to say, yeah, we don't have a DMV, but yeah, that's
1: good. What do we call it? Do we?
2: I don't know Didn't what it's called, called it anymore. The, uh, Service RTA New South Wales was, or something. It's, yeah, it's not called the RTA.
1: It's very confusing. Um, it's an all-purpose. I'll kick you out now. for
2: even whispering. <laughs> yeah, he legit told me a twenty-minute story, and I kept going, tuning out. My brother would left the table, and he was like, <laughs> "And hey, you were
1: the last one man. there. You couldn't leave."
2: And then he was telling me the numbers he read out in the row.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: like yeah, it was pretty wow. I was like, you are full blown. Hey, Simpson. Well, anyway. it's, it's
1: better that than Hans Mole Man. <laughs> this is true. Although it is like kissing a peanut. Um, yeah, he does yell at, a, yell at clouds. <laughs> yeah, go. Sorry. Uh, he this wrote jo- this Joshua. Jo- Joshua Huiton wrote this and apparently the idea came from uh, his aversion to seeing the old Hollywood formula. Uh, you know, the little blonde girl who goes into the mm. dark alley and gets killed in every horror movie. You know, he said he wanted to subvert that idea and create something, yeah. uh, create someone who was a hero.
2: Ironically, he wanted to empower females.
1: I mean, that's the whole thing, isn't it? I mean, that's a whole uh, – we don't have the the hours required to unpack that whole complex beast. But, yeah, in a nutshell, mm. he, he like, built his persona on this whole stories about empowered females or whatever. Empower always sounds so condescending, but you know what I mean. Mm. Um Strong, and then he's a jerk yeah, right. <laughs> to females yeah. in particular. Like, yeah. what a dick! Ugh, Just waiting. turns out he's a dick mm. for all this time. Anyway, uh, and yeah, he had this this mission statement that was um, the joy of female power, having it, using it, and sharing it. Now, to be fair, I got that quote from him talking about the show, but I got to imagine that it's the same. It would have been similar for the movie, right? He wrote that too, so you know. Anyway, how's this for a little weird? A uh, little detail. He sold the script to Dolly Parton's production company. She has got her finger in many pies, man. She, oh, she's smart. Yeah. She invested in Dolly. like one of the in the one of the vaccines. She's a good egg. Apparently, she's covered in tattoos. She's got lots of tattoos, but you don't see them. Really? Yeah. She's uh-huh. Miley Cyrus's godmother. Is she? Yeah. Anyway, they bought it in 1991 i got some murkiness here as I tend to do when it comes to like producer this, someone else that, you know, Hollywood politics happens, boring stuff happens. But ultimately a producer gets it in the hands and eyes of a director by the name of Fran Rubel Kazooie. And she'd recently um gotten a bit of attention after her first film, Tokyo Pop, debuted in Cannes. Mm. And um yeah, she got her hands on it and she was like, son of a bitch, I'm in.
0: And I went, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Okay, I'll do it. And he said, well, how do you know? And I went, well, it's so stupid. I'll do it. And he said, well, take it home and read it. So I took it home and I read it and I just laughed and laughed
1: and laughed. Mm. So she signed on to direct. um, And here's where it gets a little bit funky, Greg. Because I did a lot of research on this. Yeah. And I kind of thought I had the story straight in my head. Now, as you know, but friends of the show don't know, I thought we were starting 30 minutes earlier. We weren't. And so I had 30 minutes to spare and I found a a making of documentary and one, a good one that's not like through rose-colored lenses. It's one of those ones that's more like true Hollywood story. It was gritty. And um, they were pretty open, including Fran herself, about – how she kind of fucked up. She never, she never said it that explicitly, obviously, but she really softened his script. She wanted it to be much lighter. I thought it was the studio mm. because she actually went on to pre- produce with Whedon the TV show. So I thought, oh, they were in it together. another the, bite of the cherry. Yeah, but I guess they stayed cool. But I thought the studio was the problem in all this, but it sounds like it was kind of her. She was a bit like, oh, it's too scary. I want it to be a bit lighter yada, yada, yada. Apparently she ignored all the studio notes which were to make it scarier, which was in line with Joss Whedon's script. Like, Interesting, Fran. Even uh, Interesting. Donald Sutherland's character was supposed to commit suicide to avoid being turned into a vampire. Oh. <laughs> that got cut. She was supposed to burn down the school to kill the vampires. And I saw that mentioned a few times as being a dark thing that got cut, but I didn't see any more detail on that. So I don't know if they mean burned it down with the students inside or something. I don't know, but because um, it's not that dark to burn down a building because there's vampires inside. That sounds just about right. But Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, kinda. I mean, all in all, she does sound like a good egg, though, because she did go on to produce the TV series. In addition, her and her husband founded this uh, production company called Kazooie Enterprises, and they produced Trey Parker and Matt Stone's film Orgasmo.
2: Ah, I remember that.
1: Yeah, and they distributed South Park in Japan. She also worked with Keith Haring to open his pop shop in Tokyo. So, she, I mean, okay. she, she sounds like a good egg. just maybe not a great director. Because there was also a lot of talk in that in that making of I just watched where, like, Christy Swanson and a lot of people were like, are you going to direct us? Or <laughs> Apparently she's just like, oh, I like to let the actors do their thing.
0: Halfway through the shoot, Christy said to me, you know, I'm not accustomed to working this way. I'm accustomed to having the director tell me what to do. My way of working with actors was more or less to allow them to create the character themselves rather than for me to tell them who the character is. As Fran Rubel-Kazooie encouraged cast and crew to make their own choices, some members of the team began to take issue with her freewheeling and improvisational approach.
2: Fran liked making up the shot in the moment. And that meant we didn't know exactly what we were going to
0: be looking at. Everyone was sort of left up to their own devices
1: in a way to figure out what to do. Yeah. So maybe she's better producer than director, I don't know.
2: Yeah, bit too loosey-goosey.
1: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Whedon, he was staying involved throughout because they were kind of collaborating pretty closely, but he eventually just walked off set one day and never came back because he was like, this, this is not what I wrote. That's a shame. That's a good exit, though. Yeah, I'm out. you got to
2: be dramatic in Hollywood if you want to get anywhere.
1: Yeah. He had issues with Donald Sutherland as well, which, again, before I watched that very insightful documentary, this very astute documentary, um, very astute I point. kind of dismissed that when I read it because I was like, well, we all know Whedon's the jerk now, so it probably wasn't Donald's fault. But in that very same doco... Apparently Donald Sutherland was being a jerk to Paul Rubens as well, Pee-wee himself, because he had a goatee. And uh, Donald was like, I'm the only one with a beard in this movie, mate. Wow. And he kept changing his lines and, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of a dick. Well, he's Donald Sutherland. Yeah,
2: he's Donald Sutherland. Yeah. He's got a reputation to up- uphold.
1: Yeah, and I think he had some regrets <laughs> once he was on set. <laughs> there was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of like... Yeah, you could see it in his eyes. He was like, what have I done? I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: I mean, he had.
1: He y- really had. Yeah, he kind of did. Um, got some good precastes though, Greg. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So there was a young actress by the name of Alicia Silverstone that was very keen to become Buffy, but she was too young. How old was she? Yeah, she would have been too know. young. Yeah, I don't really know. Could never find that out. <laughs>
2: Well, ninety ninety two. There's no way to
1: find out. Yeah, ninety two. Uh, Drew Barrymore passed. Apparently, they were they were interested in her. I, both of those would have been good because I was also thinking like, I do have a soft repitch coming for this film, but uh, and part of that flavor was injecting a bit more clueless energy into it. But um, one other one was Amelien. Is that how you say it? Paul Rubens's character, Pee Wee's character, was originally written as a female and was going to be played by Joan Chen. Who's that? Are you familiar with her? She's she's in um Twin Peaks. She's in. She looks familiar. I could only remember her from Twin Peaks, but she's been in a lot of stuff.
2: Allow me to internet her. Yeah, internet her. Joan Chen.
1: She's a babe. Bit...
2: It doesn't look that familiar. Maybe What's it was just end? Twin
1: Peaks for me. I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't go. I didn't go deep on that. Anyway. Anyway.
2: Rabbit hole for another day.
1: Rabbit hole for another day. When we do our Twin Peaks special, inevitably at some point, maybe. Even 10 years' time when we run out of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that, that's how it all came together. And, and they had five weeks within which to, to bring this thing to life because Luke Perry had to go back to his Dylan duty at 90210.
0: Mm. Yeah, Dylan.
1: <laughs> yeah. So bish, bash, bosh. You go sell a movie. Rap party the Viper Room. Let's play the trailer.
0: I just met this girl named Buffy from Pike. Pike isn't a name, it's a fish. I liked her, even though she seemed kind of flaky. But, as it turns out... You have been chosen, Buffy. To do what? To stop the vampires. Does Elvis talk to you? And things started getting weird around here. Are we having a nightmare? You threw a knife at my head.
3: And you caught it.
0: (laughs) She was the one person I could really count on kill him a lot.
3: Hi. Hi. What are you doing here?
0: What am I doing here? I'm saving your butt. That is a bad guy. Can we go, please? The Slayer is unmasked. Let's finish it. I think this relationship has potential. Hi. How's it going? You're obviously having a bad hair day. If she can just get rid of those other guys in her life. Oh! Stab him Christy Swanson I am so sure Donald Sutherland Ah, ah. Paul Rubens Ah. With Rutger Hauer and Luke Perry Buffy, you're not like other girls Ah. Yes I am Buffy, the vampire slayer (laughs) You didn't even break a nail (laughs) Directed by (laughs) Fran Rubel Kazooie
1: the vampire slayer. It's pretty interesting that they had Luke Perry narrating the trailer cuz I think at that point they kind of knew this movie wasn't quite as good as they were hoping. So it <laughs> makes sense makes sense to play the Luke Perry card um in that cuz obviously, you know, we're like a couple of years into 90210 or at that point, I believe. So, you know, play the cards you dealt, mate, or well, the clad the cards yeah. you've collected. <laughs>
2: Oh. The sticky cards you found on the bottom of the bar floor. Mm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> is that, is that, no? yeah, that nut? Yeah, keep the analogy going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What happened in this movie, Greg?
2: Well, it, it, keep the analogies coming. <laughs> being a vampire is very—it's rather akin to being an angsty teenager, Tristan. It's oh, very astute. Nobody understands you. You just want to sleep all day. Daylight itself is confronting. <sighs> yeah. You like to wear black. Uh, and jocks. Jocks are very mean to you. Yeah. <laughs> Especially jocks like Buffy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And despite her silly name, she's popular. She's a popular girl who likes to do unnecessary backflips just because she can. Why walk when you can flip, she would say. Now, Buffy's parents have effectively abandoned her, so she has boys over on weeknights and she kills people for fun. Under the tutelage of a creepy homeless man, you know, the guy from Outbreak and a Time to Kill, so he's a bad guy. (laughs) She's out there killing innocent vampire teens who are just having a hard time. They're not proper vampires. They can't fight. They're just standing around going, (laughs) (laughs) Having a hard time as a you know, as a non-sporting teenager (laughs) in a 90s, early 90s America. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes around killing him, Tristan, except for Luke Perry. Yeah. That's it. That's That's what this movie is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. You know, I watched this movie twice this week, Greg, because... Well, lucky you. Well, yeah, it's... I mean, okay, I'll put my cards on the table to keep the cards thing going. I didn't, yeah. I didn't like it that much. Are they sticky? Yeah, it was pretty disappointing. And I I, I found I, this happens sometimes with the pod, right? Obviously, if you're watching a movie in your own time, hey, there's no stakes. Uh, stakes. But like <laughs> you can do what you want. But if you've got a podcast about it, you need to pay attention. And this movie became hard to pay attention to kind of in the middle section. And mm. I watched it twice because I was like, I don't really understand what happened in this, like the details of what happened in this movie. Mm, and I watched mm. it again and I still probably couldn't tell you. And this is, hey. I did, this There is, isn't uh,
2: any detail. Yeah.
1: And let me throw out this disclaimer because I feel like sometimes, you know, if we don't like a movie, it, hey, it's our personal. This is all subjective. This is probably someone's favorite movie and that's perfectly valid. But for me, I found it a little boring. But I will say I still love the concept. I, like it's all there. But um, just in execution, it's just kind of eh,
2: you know. Yeah. It's. I agree wholeheartedly. It's yeah. a pretty trash movie. Yeah. Um, definitely in the lower echelon of films we've discussed. Yeah. It just feels like that. Look, the point you said made earlier about um, the director, it feels like she didn't, she wasn't calling any shots and they were mm. just on there kind of doing their thing. You know, there's no cohesion. Mm. Sometimes it's a black comedy, sometimes it's a touch more serious. Yeah. But, not not in a seamless kind of genre bending way just yeah. messy yeah like like the clip of that sort of head bad guy dying where it's like a really put on over the top funny wanna be funny death
3: uh, uh,
1: Yeah, I actually forgot to mention that was the one of the only things I remembered about the movie from being a kid, and I thought it was hilarious when I was a kid. And exactly to your point, very astute on your part, Greg. It's
3: very astute.
0: Your- in
1: that retrospective making of that I just watched, that was not scripted, and that was a Paul Rubens thing. It was kind of funny. It wasn't like the least funny thing in the movie certainly wasn't the most funny. I don't mind. Like, it was okay. But, yeah, I think it's a good example of, like, just let them run wild and yeah. stick it all. And maybe if there was more that was on that same level, maybe it would have felt more cohesive to your point. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. And I forgot to also mention, not only did she try and make it less scary, she did remove jokes too. Well, when I say she, I don't know. It could be in the studio. at. I've read different things, so I don't want to just put it all on her. Like, there aren't a lot of female directors out there, so let's not just fucking pile on. But, um, True. jokes were in the script that were removed. And it's a great premise. And it just needed to be funnier and possibly scarier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, a, it's it's a bummer because it just the whole, it's almost, like Clueless, yes, and maybe even John Hughes. But, yeah, this idea of what do you take when you cross, you know, the vampire mm. genre with those sorts of things mm. and subvert both to a degree, like subverting vampire lore and, and subverting the arguably kind of sexist John Hughesy stuff. Like that's kind of – it's just great, you know. She's the hero. She's yeah. not the damsel in distress yeah. or the one that needs a makeover. Luke Perry has kind of his – She's all that moment in this. He shaves off the flavour saver, slicks his hair back and now he's a babe and he's ultimately a damsel in distress for half the movie. Like, that stuff is pretty cool, um, especially, you know, his for the time. His name's Pike. His name's Pike. It's like a fish. But Spike is from... I thought that too. Buffy. Yeah. Is there any similarity also, plot-wise in this? Like, I, I read something that there was, they allude to a school being burnt down or something, well, but they didn't do that in this.
2: Well... Spike's a vampire. Pike's not a vampire. Yeah. Pike's a fish. Spike (laughs) is a gremlin.
1: No, that's Mandela effect, remember? We both thought it was Spike. It was Stripe. It's Stripe. (laughs) Oh yeah.
2: I'm still being It's a whole could wood should situation.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, this is the most astute Um, thing I will say in this episode, Greg. What's that? So this film also came out the same year as Bram Stoker's Dracula. And there was some iffy casting in that. You know what would have been perfect? If Luke Perry and Keanu switched roles. Whoa. Yeah. Right? That would have been perfect. Yeah. Because I was even. you know how that came to mind? Luke Perry is wearing like old-timey clothes in this. He looks like he's (laughs) he's from 18th century, whatever the 1897. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 19th century. 1897, merry old England.
2: (laughs) I tell you what. Wouldn't you? I don't know about you, but I know where I would have rather have been, which Dracky's castle. Oh yeah, yeah. Lordy, lordy, lore. Especially with your recasties, getting, getting to second base with, getting to second base with Buffy or, or. Tenth base with Monica
1: <laughs> Belushi. A couple of home runs with the whole gang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I like
2: that though, Tristan. That's a good swap.
1: Yeah, right?
2: They're just the same yeah.
1: year too. And i got me, I got a bit more on Luke Perry later because I feel like this is probably the only movie we're going to do where he's a big topic. But it may have even been a different trajectory for him, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah, who knows? Poor Luke. Yeah, yeah. He's
2: getting his, getting his come up again. Yeah, yeah. Well, should we touch on that now then? Because I've got a whole list here. Yeah, that it feels, it feels like an, an organic flow. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, I dove in. It's a little Luke Perry career retrospective. Uh, yeah, we all know him from 90210. We all know him from that Simpsons episode. But did you know... That in 1984 he worked at a doorknob factory. <laughs> yes, I did. That sounds made up, like like uh, Mike Myers, Doctor Evil's dad story. <laughs> you know, like worked at a doorknob factory and invented the question mark. Yes. You know, something like that. Uh, but he worked there. He did that, and he, you know, he's been opening doors he's ever a, since. He's a knobman. He's
2: a knobman. Oh wait, that doesn't sound right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. To give some context, we're both Luke Perryman, right? And I think perhaps slightly later in life, in terms of our growing respect for him. Mm. I guess we'll probably touch on some of the reasons why, but I guess before I uh, ex- expand on this, there are a couple of hot things there. Like even his appearance in Oz, because we both watched Oz back in the day, didn't we? That's
2: right. Yeah. And he
1: showed up in there, and that was a bit of a moment of, huh, ah, Luke Perry. Yeah. He's up to something. Yeah. A little unexpected appearance from Luke Perry for two seasons, I think, and then he got buried behind a wall or something, I think, didn't he? Something happened. Yeah. I can't remember. Was that him or someone else? I can't remember. Someone got bricked up behind a wall, alive. Fuck. The waste. Anyway, in 1985, he was in a video clip for a song called Be Cruel to Your School by Twisted Sister. Mm Mm-hmm. By 1988, he had auditioned for 256 acting jobs. But, you know, 88's a magical year and he got two gigs. Mm. Uh, he appeared in two soap operas, Loving and Another World. But it was 1990 that was the big year, the year of 90210. Were you a 90210? Time. Yeah, same. I oh, was my the grand <laughs> the peach pit, as it turns out. Hey, we've talked about this, haven't we? I'm wondering what circumstances yeah. we talked about this. But yeah, it's the peach pit, not the beach pit. This whole time, wild, <sighs> wild, wild stuff. I mean, you're aware, but I went down a whole thing of rewatching 90210, like. A few years ago now. That's right. As just sort of a background show, but I'm, I'm still to this day unsure if I was watching it ironically or not. <laughs> I enjoyed it, man. It was fun.
2: <laughs> we have done another. We have done another Luke Perry movie, though, right?
1: Yeah. Well, he showed up in um, Fifth Element, so maybe it was that. Uh,
2: Fifth Element. Yeah, Fifth Element. It's, it's the only one.
1: Um, but hey, we all know he played Dylan McKay. But did you know? He actually auditioned for the role of Steve Sanders, mm. but um, unfortunately for him, there was a young whippersnapper Top Gun actor that got the role named Ian Zeering.
2: Yeah, not to be confused with Ian. Yeah,
1: who are you, mate? That's like people. <laughs> was who that are, a bit oh, of a Nepo moment? No, that's that's uh, Tori Spelling. That's the Nepo one.
2: Oh, no, I thought. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <I> thought,
1: uh, <laughs> oh, he might be too. They I probably th- all. Were. I who thought. He might- I
2: thought. Yeah, I thought there might have been something there as well.
1: So yeah, sorry. Instead of saying no, I should say not to my knowledge, because yeah, man, they all I'm are. familiar
2: with Aaron Spelling executive producer daughter.
1: Yeah, because the genes are so strong too; you can't hide that shit, man. Strong. That's some of the poor, most poor. they're stronger than Baldwin genes, probably. <laughs> um, he auditioned for the role of Steve. Ian Ziering got the part, so he missed out. But he did get a a small role that was written to be sort of a two episode story arc. Dylan McKay. It was meant to be two episodes. That's crazy. Yeah. But Aaron Spelling saw something.
2: He saw something. So he stuck her in with a love triangle
1: with Brenda and Keller. Yeah. <laughs> and Keller. <laughs> that was <laughs> like, Keller. the fucking best, man. And that show is great. I mean, it's not great, great, but it's good fun. I love fucking watching it, man. Oh, I
2: loved that show. That, yeah. was, that was life
1: it was hu- i mean things got so huge then cuz culture was so singular like something would get big and it would just get big everywhere there were no pockets mm-hmm. of you know uh niches on tiktok or anything it was just no, there were five channels to, and this gets piped into your brain you had,
2: and if you wanted to change a channel you had to get up and change it
1: yes yeah, true too. <laughs> uh and so uh, 9 to 10 big show obviously you know after the first season there was such a success that they they changed and no one noticed it because you know the way we watch tv then i guess you don't you don't pay that much attention or i guess you don't rewatch things or you might miss episodes but in the first season they were older and by the next season they made them younger just so they could make sure the show went for longer <laughs> and it was supposed to be a more issues-based uh tv show like each episode would be addressing like a almost like an after school special i think like
2: You know, Mm, drugs
1: drugs. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Alcohol. And then they were like, wait, no, teen soap opera, let's fucking go. Look at these these eyebrows and haircuts we've fucking employed. Like, why are we making an after school special? This is soap opera territory, baby. Yeah. 1992, he made a film called Terminal Bliss and a little film called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 1993, he shows up as sideshow Luke Perry in Krusty Gets Cancelled. And here's some interesting little ones. The Simpsons wasn't his only voice acting gig in, in, in an animated series. He's, done, he's showed up in a few. Yeah. So he, he wasn't a main character, but he showed up in Biker Mice from Mars a few times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At last, my plan is working perfectly. I have that weak,
0: wimpy Wimberger White right where I want him. I will whack him, ruin him. Whip off his operation and get a wee big ways from the Weevil Poo Talkian high poo bars.
1: Iron Zering was one of the biker mice from Mars, actually. So I guess that was probably just a mate thing. They were like, yeah, I'll come with your show. Uh, he also voiced Sub Zero in a Mortal Kombat animated series.
0: Finish him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Scorpion fell at the hand
0: of his enemy. His spirit rose, seeking refuge in the Realm of Honored Dead. Scorpion's demise was without honor. He was refused entrance. His spirit was banished to the Realm of Lost Souls. But Scorpion's
1: spirit refused to die. And he also voiced a character named Rick Jones in a Hulk animated series with Lou Ferrigno himself.
0: Ah. If Bruce hadn't had to bail my tail during that reactor explosion, he wouldn't be in his predicament.
1: These are all just little side missions that I guess he thought were fun, but ultimately he leaves Beverly Hills 90210 in 1995. Now, chronologically, some of those animation things are a bit all over the place, but, you know. He's doing these things. Yeah, and he leaves on top, man, like... 90210 is still doing well, but he's obviously making a very conscious choice, even in this movie, I think, to not just be that teen idol guy, but at least break out of the Dylan McKay of it all to some degree. I did find a clip of him reflecting on that decision with Howard Stern. And you know what? I think this speaks volumes about the human we're talking about here.
0: Good egg. What is it like to be on a hit television series one day right like 90210 and then suddenly yeah all of that is taken away from you that's yeah. got to be horrible horrible not so it's not so bad it's it gets it gets it gets quiet all of a sudden and it's good on any given day was your phone ringing off the hook your agents and everyone else and then all of a sudden when that goes yeah is it a nightmare no be honest I quit. I mean, I was really clear on why I quit the show the first time. I was just sick of all that. It was just, it wasn't. It didn't really pertain to anything that was interesting to me. You know, I mean, because you know, fame. It's yeah. not about you. I do. I mean, you I have do. No control. <laughs> o- you have no control over it. Right. So yeah, I don't have that much interest in it. So I didn't. I didn't pay that much attention. You were not interested in being famous.
1: It, it was didn't a bird. appeal to you.
0: It did, I didn't have a chance to think about whether it appealed to me or not. All of a sudden, one day, bam, it, it was on you, and it's more, you know, you're just trying to figure it out. And not, big thing for me was to not be a prick along the way, because you always hear people get famous, <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're pricks. They're prick, sorry. And, and so I'm just thinking, try to be a nice guy right. along the way. Yeah, not to get a reputation, because when, yeah. because if you're not famous one day, or not exactly, as famous- Because it, it, inevitably, fa- fame is gravity-related. It's going up. It is going to come down.
1: Very astute on his part.
2: Uh-huh. Just be a nice guy.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that same year he then went – he went and did like an Italian indie film that year, did an indie drama called Normal Life with Ashley Judd in the US. And then 97 he did The Fifth Element. Yeah. TV cameos in Will and Grace. 2001, 2002 he did Oz. So He's doing interesting things. And I do wonder if he grew up more – if he came up more, I guess in this day and age, this good guy energy or this interesting choice energy – would have been a bit more obvious to us. Because you know, then there's no social media, so you don't Yeah, we you don't know hear much from him. He just shows up in stuff here and there, but you don't you don't get to know the guy and buy into mm. like the his story, his mission, you know? Um I feel like a lot of it's been done retrospectively after he passed away. Yeah. And yeah, and then he kind of goes into like TV movie territory for a while, but then ultimately re-emerges in Riverdale. And then like his final role, which is kind of cool. Was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. That was his final role. Came out after he passed away. I, I totally forgot it was in that. I remember us being mm. excited about that when it came yeah. out. And I, I and need I to totally rewatch forgot. that.
2: I really enjoyed it. But yeah, I really watched the once in it. It's quite a dense film, and a, yeah, it's ways. quite long.
1: Could watch, yeah. But I could. I'm ready. I think to I'd heard it
2: again. wasn't that good, but then I watched it and really liked it.
1: Yeah, same, same. Except the Bruce Lee bit. The, the Bruce Lee that's, bits there, but yeah. But um, and also I did rewatch the clip that he was in in that. It's kind of like, it's great, but also kind of sad because I feel like it is, you know, trust Tarantino to do it like he did with Travolta, but it wasn't, wasn't a huge role, of course. But it was kind of the perfect role. It was a movie, it was the movie within the movie, uh, the Western that DiCaprio's character was shooting. Yeah. And yeah, Luke Perry in a Western, yeah. <laughs> you know, it has got that, that Clint work. Eastwood energy. He's got mixed the with with A little bit queens. of James Dean, like, Yeah. Man. Yeah. But and you know, this is not to say no regrets. He had a great career and hey, we're grateful for every little bit of Luke Perry we got. Um oh, and friends of the show will enjoy this because side note, because <clears throat> side note, we're obviously uh uh doing a fans choice episode at the end of this mini series, so make sure you get on Instagram to vote. But obviously a lot of our friends of the show have been wanting us to do near dark. Yeah, yeah. And I was reading, you know, after after he passed away, uh, Whedon was reflecting on his time with Luke Perry, and said when they first met, they were talking about what they wanted this Buffy film to be, and they bonded over Near Dark. They were both yeah. lovers of Near Dark, apparently. Near Darkman. Yeah, yeah, I, and I guess this is all to say, a it's nice to 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 go on that journey and and uh, reminisce on the the Luke Perry story, but also, yeah. Yeah, it would have been nice to get a bit more. He had something. He had something. He had, something. He had more to give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. We're not talking about Brenda here. We're talking about Dylan. You son of a bitch.
2: No, Brenda. It's your night.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. Hey, you know, I was watching so many clips of him today, uh, as I tend to do, and uh, this I saw this same comment on like a lot of the videos from the same person, like copied and pasted almost in all caps. <laughs> He should and could have been George Clooney. He had the talent and the looks. Hollywood is dumb as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Impressed well in a while. Um, <laughs> I guess we should get back to the movie itself, though, Greg. Yeah, I thought Christy Swanson was like pretty good overall. There were parts where I was like, "This acting's a bit weird," but now in hindsight, knowing what we know about the director situation, she probably wasn't getting much feedback. But I kind of I liked. She had the physicality, and she's like way more of a babe than I realized. Um, even when Ara was watching it with me today, because I, I watched it again today, mm. she was like, mm. "Yeah, like her look is kind of now, like it's come back around a little bit. Like it doesn't look well, outdated." It a, yeah,
2: it is an early nineties
1: film. Yeah, yeah, we're back there, aren't we? I guess
2: haven't had much else from Kirsty mm. outside of this. A few bits and pieces. She's in the mannequin.
1: Uh, oh, is she? And she's in Higher Learning too, which I think- Is she? Yeah, and she ultimately oh. turned me off. I don't know if it's a critique on her so much. Well, certainly not. But I think her character in that is just like shit. Although I haven't she watched a, that in a is long she time. A, she a Nazi? No, she's not. But she's, she's like, oh, I don't even know how to articulate. We'll save that for the Higher Learning episode, which will inevitably come. Mm. But there was something about that. I can't even remember it, but something about that. She annoyed me in that movie basically. Which sounds horrible because horrible things happen to her and this has nothing to do with that. But, yeah.
2: What about her in Big Daddy?
1: Is she in that? I can't even remember. Whoa. Yeah,
2: she's the, she's the girl that dumps Adam Sandler because he doesn't have a five-year plan. Oh, what is wow, his five-year
0: year right. plan? Not die? <laughs> that's right.
2: Shit. She works yeah. at Hooters.
1: I guess that's the other thing with her. She's kind of been a little bit uh, anonymous to me. Uh, like I don't really notice her. That sounds horrible to say, but yeah, I don't know. She hasn't. I've never been a Christy Swanson man, I guess you could say, it just hasn't really been on my radar. So I guess things like that happen, and I don't even notice it's so. her. Yeah. Are you a Swanson man?
2: Nah. She um she left her husband or partner for her Dancing with the Stars partner. Whoa. Uh, as as far as I could read. And well, then,
1: maybe her then husband then was it. a jerk.
2: Maybe. Maybe, but he was an idiot, if not a jerk. Why <laughs> would you? I just don't get people who let their partners. Well, you can't let them, stop them. Yeah, yeah. But I got to say, if if I'm if we're famous and Carol comes home and says, "Guess what? I've been offered a spot on Dancing with the Stars." Yeah, i be like, "Oh, who's your partner? It's this hot <laughs> Latino dude." With an eight pack. Yeah. One.
1: One. <laughs> yeah, but Greg, you gotta you gotta trust your wife. Yeah, I guess you could. Carol ain't no Christy Swanson. She, Carol is a is a good egg. Yeah, Trusts but one is hell. She's hot. not she's not immune to one though, let's be honest. Who would be? One sounds dreamy. Wine oh, right. sounds wonderful. She
2: would have gone in there <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> she would have gone in there faithful as, but the reality is <laughs> I don't know, yeah. man. You spend six months or however long those show is doing simulated sex with someone really hot. <laughs> um, there's a lot of it. It wrecks a lot of marriages. They should they should blend it into a different reality show where it's a, you know, like a married at first okay. sight or a, okay, Love okay. Island.
1: What if what if you then go? You can go and dance with the stars, but you can only do the foxtrot and the hokey pokey. Yeah. Yeah, something that like works. that. Yeah, we solved nothing it.
2: Nothing with hip, nothing with hips touching. Yeah, or lips but, or cheeks.
1: But if we go and dancing with the stars, it's just all that you got served energy. You know, that's what we're doing. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I never learned
1: yeah. to crip walk though. I always wanted to crip walk. Can you crip walk? I feel like you could.
2: I think I maybe could have once upon a time. Yeah, there's plenty of tutorials out there. You can do the worm.
1: You're a worm man.
2: <laughs> I was, I'm heavier now. Yeah,
1: so I now last I, time I bruised my pelvis, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I
2: think gravity pulled my chin faster into the concrete than I anticipated.
1: Yeah, well, the last time I did the worm, yeah, my weight has changed significantly. Um, and the last time I did it was probably 10 years ago. I remember it was Australia Day in New York and for whatever reason, me and another friend were doing the worm and it just bruised on every point of the <laughs> roll <laughs> like i hurt my ribs i hurt my like my my sternum i hurt my pelvis oh. um and then my knees my knees damn it and me toes the legs were too bad i'm i'm quite top heavy it was <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man yeah no, the worm is gone it's all gone
1: it's all gone man it's more the, the slug now Hey, we got a, we, can we just touch on the cast real quick? Because this thing is stacked. Like we've touched on it yeah. broadly. Cut, hell like, let's just make a list here. you got Luke Perry with a flavour saver. you got Stephen Root, Milton himself. Um, and not yeah. only is he there, he knocks out Hillary Swank for some reason. He knocks her out. <laughs> he pushes her face into yeah. the wall at the
2: end. What that was it? pretty. He's not
1: a vampire. Nor is she. Yeah, and it's her film debut. Donald Sutherland. You know, that was Hilary
2: Swank's film debut, was it? Yeah, apparently. Who also and she played a jock, 20. the very the very type of person <laughs> that would go on to torment her in
1: Boys Don't Cry. Boys Don't Cry. I know he said boys cry too, uh, which I guess is the takeaway from that film. Uh, David Arquette yeah. with a gold tooth, which became a gold fang, which was quite cute. Rutger Howell with a moustache and Roger Ramjet shaped haircut. Paul Rubens' first role since his arrest. And apparently he was not shy about it and he purposely kept his goatee in the same look as his mugshot for this film. Oh, okay. We've got Christy Swanson, as we mentioned. We've got Ben Affleck in his first film and apparently he kept asking Fran, the director, what his motivation was. <laughs> ben Affleck? Yeah. He was, was, he was basically an extra. He had like one line maybe in the basketball scene.
2: Oh, I missed him.
1: Yeah. There's like a whole point in this movie where it becomes Teen Wolf briefly
2: and it's like a vampire
1: yeah. playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. Which is very actually briefly. They are good bedfellows those two those two films. They're both kind of equally disappointing. I think Teen Wolf was probably more disappointing for me. Teen Wolf 2. Well, I haven't seen 2. But in terms of yeah, I like I they're both kind of meh. Uh Ricky Lake was in there too, sort of an extra as well. I think she was the wait waitress at the the thing oh, yeah. but man that's mm-hmm. stacked that's significant i don't know how they got these people like was it a, was this a hot script i didn't get that sense maybe if the original script was that good mm. and people would just i mean ben affleck when you're an extra okay that's just a little nice long tail of cool stuff but in terms of the core cast even like rutger Hauer yeah. and stuff man.
2: yeah and he's got nothing in this there's no yeah you know there's no there's no you know you know what i'm talking about oh i know me saying anything yeah.
1: I know where the bastard sleeps.
2: Oh, you know what I just realised, Tristan? What? I've got a, sh- I got a Shakti mat under my desk. I could have been scratching my arm with it this whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I needed, the Shakti.
1: Is that good? <laughs> uh, <ooh.
2: laughs>
1: Does that work? Yeah, but... <laughs>
2: my arm's bleeding a lot, but... <laughs>
1: The filling of the Shakti is the same sensation as uh, the palms. Bleeding. <laughs> oh, oh,
2: man, that's hectic. Sorry. Very stacked cast. There had to be more going on. Everyone was on this. Everyone.
1: Yeah. Well, I do have a soft re-pitch for this, Greg. Go on. It's not well, It's not a new concept. It's just a nuance that I think could tighten the overall package. And this is not to say I know better than than Joss Whitten. Well, I certainly do in some areas. But in terms of writing a script, I'm sure the original script was amazing.
2: How to treat humans.
1: Yeah. But uh, I was thinking when I was watching it again, second time this week today, and I saw the opening and I was like, oh, shit, like this could almost be... From Dracula, because you know how it's got the old timey opening, because she's having those mm-hmm. dreams,
3: and mm-hmm. then I was like,
1: well, "What if it was like? What if they wrote this so you could read it as an actual sequel to Dracula? Because Dracula has been public domain since the '60s, so you could theoretically do something like that." Uh huh. I was also reflecting on, you know, the, the spirit of this film is you know subversive, part satire, etc. And I was reflecting on another film which fits the same description, or another cultural property which became a film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know if you remember when we did that, we talked about how in the origin story of the turtles themselves, mm. as, as comic book characters, they lifted, they basically had an origin story for the turtles that was, that put them in the same time, place, and situation as the origin of Daredevil. The ooze that gave Daredevil his powers, theoretically, were the ones that gave Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles their their powers. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is not Marvel. They did it in clever ways where they didn't explicitly say Daredevil or anything, but if you're a comic book fan, you made the connection. They could have done a similar thing in this way. And in the same way that Ninja Turtles took all the Daredevil things... So, like, in Daredevil, there's a character called Stick. In Turtles, it's Splinter. In Daredevil, there's the hand. In Ninja Turtles, there's the foot. I feel like they could have done something like that here. So, like, what if the origin of Lothos, is that how you say his name? Ruka Hauer's character. What if it was tied to the origin of Dracula that we saw in the film that came out the same year? So, obviously, they couldn't actually do this. But what if, I don't know, however, for whatever reason, that vampire character was tied to the origin story of Dracula himself, yet their evolution happened in the US rather than Europe. And what if Donald Sutherland was maybe a descendant of Van Helsing? I don't know. I don't know. It's something interesting there. Like what if it was more a deliberate nod mm. to an original story that they're now taking on, bringing into to the 90s in the, the world of like Clueless and, and, and things? It would have been
2: a nice shortcut to give it a bit of substance. <laughs>
1: yeah, right? Right? And actually but speaking of, least. Carrie Elwes was supposed to make a cameo. Oh, yeah, Where was he? I don't know. Well, I got that off IMDb trivia and they also said Mick Jagger and David Bowie. So there's a Ew. pretty significant chance that's not real. But it would have been something. Am I right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Got it. Oh. <laughs> My arm is bleeding. Oh, fuck. Greg. <laughs> <Man>.
2: <laughs> What's happening? <gasps> Oh, it's horrific, man. I can't Are you just it. going method here? Is this the vampire thing? This is really uncomfortable. I can't even
1: tell you. Can you, it can you strap it up or something?
2: It. I need to. i have got to put something on it after, like, or something. Yeah. She. <sighs> um.
1: Oh, I guess we need to do like a vampire lore thing, right? Like, how does this? How does this live into or subvert the old, mm. the old tropes? Well, I was thinking. I was thinking last week we saw Dracula with some hairy palms. Mm-hmm. I saw some very smooth dolphin-like arms in this film. No hairy palms in sight.
2: Yeah, dolphin palms all around.
1: Yeah, yeah. Dolphs here, there and everywhere. No sentient shadows. The vampires are not sexy in this film, Greg. No, they're pretty lame. Yeah, the vampires suck in this movie. Like, yeah. so, uh, side note, uh, they, they just oh, look like they've got some flour yeah. on their face. Like, even in Buffy the TV show, their face changes. Like, they go... Rrr. And they turn into dust when they get killed. Here, they just kind of, yeah. Well, they okay. They do the stake through the heart, which is as is tradition. So I guess that lives into the law. But also, I'd say the hitbox they use for the heart is pretty broad. Like I saw stakes going anywhere in this vicinity, and that counted as the yeah, heart.
2: Exactly. These are the worst.
1: <laughs> that ain't these, where the heart be, is, mate.
2: They're the weakest vampires. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>, they suck. <laughs> well, there you they're go. So they're so shit. The worst. Like the most. So there's a scene where. Luke Para rescues Buffy <laughs> and drives away on his motorbike and they're not wearing helmets. And I'm like, that is more dangerous than staying <laughs> and fighting those vampires.
1: <laughs> now, kids, if you're in a situation where you're facing some vampires and you've got a motorbike with no helmet, what do you do? Stay with exactly. the vampires. Stay, Stay safe.
2: Vampires. Stay safe. Just on the vampire weakness. No, oh, yeah. It does. It does. It's well balanced with her. Terrible karate.
1: <laughs> she does a lot of like cartwheel yeah. things before doing a mediocre move. So it's like yeah. <laughs> there's someone over there. Instead of just running up and kicking him, she'll like stop. Back flips over do some him. flips, stops, and then punches him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like Why power you, Rangers. Could have, she could have walked over to the to the stake and picked it up, but she backflips over, which was definitely slower.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh. hey! This film did introduce some new vampire lore as well. What did um, we get? Vampires are good at basketball, as it turns out. Oh yeah. Um, PMS is a secret weapon. Wouldn't that just detract? <laughs> well, I rewound that part several times because I was like, I'm not tracking here. Is this a period joke? Like, is it a blood? Like, it gets weird, right? And I missed that bit. So it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have. I don't. I don't have. I'm not going to mansplain periods here. <laughs> but, uh, but. <laughs> but having said that, uh, there was an attempt by Joss Whedon to do so, so I need to unpack it. Uh, but basically she says she's got cramps, alluding to PMS, I think. And then Donald Sutherland says, that's like that's your body reacting to the vampires or something like that. And then she goes, oh, so PMS is like my secret weapon? And he says, no, it's an alert system. It's weird. Alert to what? The, the vampires are around. Sorry, I should have explained that part. So like when vampires are mm. around, she gets like PMS-like <laughs> symptoms. <laughs> it's weird. That is weird. Yeah. Um. The part that I was a little foggy on too in this one is how do, how do they actually become vampires here? Do they like get killed by a vampire then get buried? Because they go to a graveyard and the vampires yeah. come out of a grave.
2: Yeah. That's exactly right.
1: So there's skip of so there's no like intention because in Dracula and a lot of other vampire things, it's usually like there's some kind of ceremonial something. It's like quite drinking method- the vampire le- blood. a metamorphosis. Isn't yeah, it? here it's just like you get killed by a vampire, you've eventually become one. It's simple. It things up. It lines. It's streamlined. Yeah, streamlined. Clean. It is clean.
2: It's like it's more of a zombie trope.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my arm doesn't look so
2: great. Fuck. <laughs> The Shakti's gone to work on it. Are
1: you good? Are you turning? Are you going to be a vampire by the end of this episode? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Greg just showed his yeah. arm. It doesn't look good. Should we get into the verdict? Yeah. Yeah. Let's I have nothing
2: it. else to say on this thing.
1: Yeah, man. I had a surprising about to say, to be honest. The watching it again really helped because it really let me kind of be more critical. <laughs> Why don't I like you, you stupid movie? All right. Verdict.
2: I don't know what to say, really.
3: I don't remember
0: asking you a goddamn thing. I am would like you to answer the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you
3: waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again?
0: I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor.
2: And that's all I had to say about that.
1: This is an interesting one because we'll go through this criteria, and it probably passes all of them. Mm. Yet I still don't think it holds up. But let's let's okay, let's bite our tongue. Well, yeah, let's. Does any anything overarching like you know big racism, sexism, anything fundamentally not hold up today? Not really. really. FX actually FX test is pretty. pretty, FX pretty FX test is pretty weak. FX FX is
2: yeah it's a yeah, fail for that's me. That's a fail.
1: First one in a while because usually mm. there's even the charm of.
2: Well, yeah, we're pretty generous in that. Yeah, very generous you know, scoring.
1: Yeah, yeah. And representation, Bechdel test. Yeah, I guess that passes. Like we've got a leading female. They she talks to other females about stuff. I guess. Oh wait, does she only talk about men? Huh.
2: Uh, she talks about chirocracy.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's very white ja- jackets. though. Jackets. Race Bechdel. We do have a couple of non whites, but they don't talk to each other. I don't even know if they have names. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a fail. Cultural relevance. I mean, the legacy on this is huge. Obviously, Buffy, mm. the TV show. There's comic books as well, apparently. And actually, apparently there's a comic book that is based on the original script to this movie as well. So if you want to check that out, it's out there somewhere. Porn parody, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't oh, even have I to Googled search that it. one. I can imagine there's plenty. Yeah, surely there's plenty. Yeah. Yet, you know, there's not many movies we do that pass that many things. Yet I still find myself in a place where I feel like this doesn't hold up. It's just not very good for me. It's lousy. It doesn't work for me. Us. Again, I love the concept. I love, that's why, that's what I was trying to get at before, but I didn't really articulate. I like the idea of this thing in the same way that I like the idea of Teen Wolf. And you may be sitting there going, what are you talking about? Teen Wolf's great. Have you watched it lately? Sit down and watch it and really watch it. Don't just put it on in the background while you're doing something else and you're like, <laughs> he's dancing on top of a van. Like, watch it. It's not very good. I had a similar thing with this. It just feels like, yeah. So much potential too. I think that's maybe what's frustrating, the potential.
2: Mm. Well, delivered on through uh later born TV series. Yeah, exactly.
1: This, this had to to fail so that Buffy the TV series could succeed perhaps.
2: Well, yeah, your second bite of the cherry, lucky boy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have an MVP here? Not really. Yeah, same. I mean, despite (laughs) my love fest on Luke Perry, like, he was fine, but it was not like, oh, the hero of the film, like, it was fine.
2: No, no one saved this film. I might give it to Christy
1: Swanson just overall. Even though she was pretty patchy, but. I think the overall aesthetic of like her look and her, yeah, I don't know eyebrows, her eyebrows. I, I like the I like the kitschiness of like the fluoro and the cheerleadery stuff. Like that kind of works, but I guess that's not really her acting. <laughs> that's just the costume department. Um, MVP costume department. There you go. There you go. Well, except for the vampires. Not, no, unless they, they did,
2: unless they did makeup.
1: Yeah, exactly. Costumes, yes. Makeup, no. Oh, there's a lot and of the, new ones. The here. costume
2: people of this show are probably listening going, oh, we didn't do the makeup.
1: <laughs> Give us the award. <laughs> They're waiting with bated breath. Mm. <sighs> well, I guess that's uh. it. Hey, if you want to have a say in what other vampire movie we cover, you know, we do have a list going, but there is one vacant spot that you, you know, it's more democratically driven. Get to our mm. Instagram. Voting every day over the next few days. We've we've eliminated. A yeah, we've eliminated three so far. It's
2: a dracocracy. It's a dracocracy Draconian? over here. Draco- Draconian, yeah. yeah. Wait, that means know. something
1: else. Yeah, and I'm not smart enough to know exactly what that means. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about. I need a week to research that so I can talk about it on a podcast. But, you know, next week we'll be back with, I think we're doing an interview with a vampire next week. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. That'll be interesting. Yeah, we're going, but
2: we've we've said this before. But we're penduluming here between uh, the more traditional vampire and uh, the spoofier takes.
1: Yeah, the the uh, and Zaggin'. So, interview with the vampire next week. The Lost Boys the week after, and fans' choice after that to close it out. Exciting They'll times!
2: They'll cry, little sister. I can't wait yet.
1: I can't wait, man. Be be warned. I tried to turn that song or parts of that song into our jingle for this miniseries and I couldn't make it work. Oh. it's You can't mess with it. It's perfect as it is. So you can't just God, like turn it into something else. That guy is fucking wild, man. <laughs> That's probably going to be the same way we just talked about Luke Perry. I'm going to talk about Saxophonist,
2: man. Mm. Mm. And then we can talk about Tina Turner. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he's the saxophonist in Whitney Houston's I will always love you. I'm pretty sure. I think that we talked about that in there. Anyway, you'll have to wait until a couple of weeks. Uh, Until then, leave a review. Keep voting. Keep keep listening
2: and take care of yourselves and each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bye. Bye.
0: She's a mall doll. She has no concept of anybody else but herself. Wouldn't you guys just love me in this? She has no concept of, of uh, any sort of a value system. Does the word duh mean anything to you? And then she she goes through change. Let me get this straight, okay? You want me to go to the graveyard with you because I'm the chosen one and there are vampires?
3: Yeah. Does Elvis talk to you?